We're delighted to have Wahid Adam, Executive Chairman of iTouch South Africa, as our guest on the show. Wahid grew up under apartheid in South Africa and tells us how the discrimination he experienced affected his outlook. He relates one event in particular that helped give him the motivation to become an entrepreneur, and he also talks about his early business venture even as a student. I think you'll enjoy that. We talk about the current state of the CPAS aggregator industry and discuss three trends that need to be addressed to ensure the industry continues to grow and thrive. The follow-up to this discussion will be addressed by a panel discussion in next week's Mobile Ecosystem Forum event in Amsterdam on the 15th of June at 15.45 Central Time, both online and in person. Wahid and I and other panel guests will continue the discussion about the way forward for the industry in more detail. You'll find the registration link in the show card. Finally, we find out about Wahid's philosophy of life and his love of music, and he plays out on a classic song by a classic singer. I know you'll enjoy Wahid's energy and optimism. It's a great podcast. So, Wahid, you, were, you grew up in apartheid South Africa. That's correct, Pat. It was a time that um, clearly growing up, being born into it, really, where your sort of value system and how you were perceived by others um, was kind of thrown upon you. It was thrust upon you. And um, the law stated that a person of color as myself was of a less worth than a person who was so-called white in, in, in the apartheid time. So you grow up with these kind of nuances in your world as a kid. And although it doesn't make sense, you don't know different, right? Because you grow up in it and you almost believe that your, 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 your existence is not one that is deserved uh, of, you know, the status that would be given to any other human being. Right. And that is, that is what you, 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 you're given as you grow up. It's only when you start seeing how life plays out um, that it's confusing. It's, uh, you know, growing up, I could not understand why I had any difference uh, to someone of a different color and why my existence was not perceived of the same value. And you start questioning those nuances. But the one thing that stood out to me, Pat, is I stood on the corner of the, uh, the old city of Johannesburg where I was born, and there was this sports car. And there was this red sports car with a white guy sitting in it. And I remember he had very little hair. So don't laugh about that one because I don't. Uh, we're not talking and, about that, Wahid. We're moving <laughs> on. <laughs> and his roof, his roof was off with the sun glaring on his head. And, and I thought, that is so cool. You know, like, how does one get there? But I also realized that um, through certain things that happened in my young life, that everybody loves a winner. And anyone who was successful could almost cross that color bar, if you wish, um, and, and actually stand out, mm -hmm. like that guy in that red sports car. So let alone I, I wanted that red sports car and I wanted a life like his. Mm -hmm. The law kind of prevented that perception. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? This is my world. I'm going to create it. And uh, I also came from a, a background where my parents were divorced. So we grew up very humbly. And I figured if I'm going to get there, I'm going to have to do something. I was only in primary school at the time. And um, I learned a little skill from some of the locals in terms of making copper wired beaded bangles. Wow. 
And I had a USB, Pat. You could actually make mine smaller and larger, meaning one size fits all. <laughs> <laughs> Is the, do you use that in your current business strategy? Yeah. <laughs> that was my business strategy. <laughs> and then I and then I gave it the colors and the be you know the, the the sort of designs that meant something. You know whether you're a Rastafarian with the with the sort of Rasta colors, or whether you're an American fan and you had the American colors, and you know whether you were a Liverpool supporter and you had the Reds and. And, and I started making these that would meet certain markets, which largely starts off as family and friends, right? Brilliant. But eventually I leaned out of that family and friend circle and started selling my beaded bangles. And, and I was only in primary school. And all I did make was the money I needed to play pinball, right? So <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have PlayStation back in the day. And that was the way I kind of found independence. And even though it was just pocket money that I was making, mm -hmm. which I felt didn't have to burden my parents, who, like I said, we had humble beginnings, it gave me that sense of independence. And once I tasted that, yeah. I don't think anything could stop me. No, and it also empowered me. Yeah, no, that's a brilliant story. Really impressive. Now, I was just saying a personal story, but my parents were very much involved in the Irish anti-apartheid movement. And uh, this is before it would be, say, well-known or popular, shall we say. I don't know if you remember, Cater Asmel was the Minister for Water in the first, I believe, the first uh, Mandela government, or when Mandela was president. And yes. uh, uh, Cater Asmel read the, the oration at my mother's funeral. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's just, so when you tell me that story, it harks back to my childhood, because even though I were, I'm three, three thousands of miles away from you, my parents yeah. were very socially conscious of that and um, deeply yeah. involved in it. So anyway, look, so we, let's go to present day, Wahid. As I, as I said uh, earlier, you know, they look up uh, uh, at the dictionary, there's a picture of you. You have a, a load of companies in different parts of technology. iTouch, I, I'm guessing, is probably your main biggest brand, and you're the executive chairman of that. Now, can you tell us what your company is doing and why, you know, why you get involved in these areas. Yes, absolutely. So correct, iTouch is the main brand of our technology companies. And, um, and if I can just add, my background was not technology at all. I came out of the brick and mortar industry <laughs> and, um, and then got bored there, decided, you know what, technology is an interesting thing. Uh, let me try it out. So in the early years of, of my existence in technology, I did a number of consumer B2C stuff, you know, content and so forth. Sure, sure. And loved what I was doing. And then every time I got this wonderful idea, put money into it, I lost money. So it was, <laughs> this, it was this love affair. It's like, you know, you do the basics and you make a bit of money and then you've got this amazing concept. You throw everything behind it. And of course, you lose money. So that was my early years experience. Um, but when iTouch came into my world in a sense that I launched it in Nigeria, um, which was also part of a bigger group, right? Uh, iTouch at the time was listed in London and um, got bought and sold a few times uh, uh, foresight in Japan. And then it was sold to Bonjourno eventually, who then became my partner in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And um, when the time was right, we sold. And I took back the B2B business and, of course, the brand in South Africa. So we put it back in the hands of South Africans. And um, at the time, it was very much around SMS as an aggregator and uh, had big brands in the consumer side as well. But what we decided to do is give it impetus again in terms of the B2B services. 
And it was SMS strong until one day I sat with, again, not coming from technology, sat with my team and said, you know, what is our business? And everyone answered, you know, we provide bulk SMS, we aggregate. And I said, well, is that really what we do? Is that our business model? Um, and everyone looked at me with this confused face. And, and ultimately, I got them to agree that we weren't in the SMS space, but we really were the digital postman for anything messaging. Right. Right. So that means it was far beyond just SMS. And becoming the digital postman uh, um, meant that we were enabling our B2B customers to communicate to their consumers. Right. And in so doing, there's many different channels. And if we can enhance how they do it and what they do to a way that improves ROI, well, then what is that model looking like? And, and that's when we got into a lot more than just uh, becoming an aggregator. So, yes, we build platforms. We enable our customers to better uh, produce their campaigns, to give them the data that refines campaigns moving forward. And I guess I'm talking a bit about CPAS there, the communication mm -hmm. platforms as a service. Mm -hmm. And um, we also took quite a, a, a deep dive into the financial services sector, so the banking world for that matter. And in that way, and empowered a lot of their marketing divisions with our communication platforms. Um, so, so the relationships we have now built has been based not only on the fact that we're your digital postman, right. but also the fact that we're your marketing partner and that we'll equip you, give you the tools in order for, for you to do what you're doing better. Mm. and improve your ROI. Yeah, um, I'm guessing you're ahead of the park there, Waheed, because I, um, I don't want to... I'm a sort of... Even though I have a lot of depth in SMS, I'm not aligned to any particular SMS company, so I can maybe make remarks that wouldn't be, um, you know, that, a bit more independently. I would I'd say a lot of the aggregators are more focused on the transport than on the marketing, and I'm, get, I'm getting from you that you've taken the value... Take, moved up the value chain, which is what I think needs to happen in the industry. Yes, very much so. I, I think just being the digital postman has become a problem. You know, you, you, you're the dumb root. And, and um, sad to say, Pat, that it's become such a competitive industry that I feel the industry itself is letting itself down because it's now a price war. Uh, the margins are low. Everyone's screaming for volumes. And added to the woes, the MNOs are now, you know, uh, searching for extra revenue, and they starting to compete within the aggregator environment, you know, which to mm. me is a big issue. Um, but but that particular business model is now being shot in the foot. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and if you're staying there, you're likely to end up, uh, you know, dying a slow death. Yeah. So right. one has got to get into the chain of improving the ROI for our customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I fully agree with that. Well, you know, if there was the top three problems or issues in the industry, what, what would you say they are, Waheed? Well, for starters, I think the industry bodies um, need to really dictate how the price war is turning out to be. I think that's a major risk to the industry. Because all we're seeing is customers asking for lower pricing, lower pricing, lower pricing. The value you bring as an uh, enabler, the value you bring as a reliable vendor, that kind of value is so discounted now that um, the, the, the consumers are being spammed for starters. The actual customers are kind of going for price, not getting the returns that they should be getting, which then is a risk to A2B messaging because they seek alternative methods to improve ROI. 
And yet, if it were said truly, it should be all yeah. Right. So, so I think that is the one issue. The other issue is I think the MNOs are now on a hunt for, um, for revenue. And they're starting to play in the same field. So you are our enabler. We, your customer. Now you want our customers. And I think that's detrimental to the industry. Mm-hmm. Because all you're going to do is push out the aggregators. At, and, and the MNOs, let's be honest, they cannot serve the customers the way we do. They do not have the departments that can provide the service that we do. And again, ultimately, with aggregators falling off the bus, MNOs filling that space inefficiently, the customer moves away from HTTP messaging and finds alternative methods to, to, to again, reach their customer and return on, on investment. So yes. I think that's a very key issue. And then the other key issue is, is when we start talking about the MNO pricing, um, particularly, you know, I've been very strongly uh, uh, an advocate against the international hub pricing model. Um, the world is a small place now, Pat, and COVID has, in fact, made it clear that we can do things virtually, which also means that we can now get into other markets a lot easier. You don't have to be on the ground to have a meeting. You know, I've had, I've had five meetings in five different countries in one day, whereas before that was a three-week journey, right? So, so with borders kind of getting blurred, um, the ability to be able to provide services beyond your borders, your regular market borders, means that um, the market's opening up. And, and Africa is an amazing example in that as Africa lights up with connectivity, so there's a whole new market to reach out digitally. Mm-hmm. Right? So the opportunities are rife there. But the MNOs now decided, well, you know what? If you're an international company that wants to deal in my territory, well, you're going to go through a different bind. We're going to call that the international hub. And um, yes, there's some pros to it, like, you know, uh, managing the international traffic, a bit of fraud, et cetera. But we're going to charge you 800% more or 600% more or 500% more. And to me, that hinders business opportunity. It hinders economic growth and and often um, will kill, again, the HIV environment. No, you, you raise very per- pertinent issues there, Waheed. And particularly MNOs, I think you're underestimating how uh, flexible the aggregators are or CPAS providers are and the extra value they bring. But that we're, got, we're going to be discussing this next week in Amsterdam at the Mobile Ecosystem Forum business messaging event. And so this is just um, so people who want to hear more about this. Uh, so it's on the 15th of June uh, at Central Time, 15.45. I'll put a link up to this. It'll be run by James Williams. Um, yourself, myself, uh, Kim Buhler from Alchemy Telco, Bernd Heinen uh, from Telefonica Germany, and Vladimir Small from Lang Telecom will be discussing this in more detail. So if you're really interested in learning more about this, please follow the link in the, in the show card. Okay, that's the promo done, Wahid. So what, what, what do you do? What do you do for relaxation? You, you look very relaxed to me here, but I'm guessing... <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, uh, Pat, I think, you know, the cliche of living in the moment is, is key to my life. I mean, I, I'm not the guy who sees the, the, the glass half empty. In fact, I would even go further by saying I don't see the glass half full. I see the glass as full because even if there's only a half a glass of water, the other half is air, right? So that's full. So, so for me, is whatever life is going to put before you, grab it with both arms, take, embrace the opportunity of the experience. Sometimes they're tough experiences. Sometimes they're not. 
Um, but, but that's part of life. And everyone, every experience is a learning curve. So for me, smile, be happy, spread the love. People feel your energy. And the minute that energy is positive, they respond positively. And, and that way, I just live a good life, a happy life. Well, I think we feel the energy off you now, Wahid. So I don't know what I don't know what you have, but I'll have some of that too, please. You know. Um, the, so on this podcast, the play out song is is uh, nominated by the guests. So I generally don't know what it is. So I'm interested to hear what you say. You like music, yeah? I love music. I think music feeds the soul. It, mm. And you know that mood of smiling I was talking about. I mean, I think when you listen to the right music, it gets you there. And sometimes it's okay to feel sad and listen to sad music. And sometimes, you know, a, a, a sort of classic musical just kind of livens the spirit. So, yes, I think music influences the energy. And go back into the days of drumming. I mean, what is it that appealed to early man to create mm. music? Because I, I believe our bodies work on vibrations of the whole world. Nature is vibration. Right. And we can influence that vibration. And I think drum beats, and if you get into the science of music, there's beats, and, and I don't have the terminologies for them, but they resonate with your vibration of your body. And that's why you will start, you know, nodding your leg a bit <laughs> to, to the music, because that's how it all starts. And that's where dancing was probably created. Great, so, yes, yeah, it, takes, it takes your brain to a different plane. It's really amazing. Yeah. So what, what, did, what did Shakespeare say? If music be the fruit of love, play on. I, I, th- I always thought you'd be, you're a classy man, so I knew you'd come up with some Shakespeare. <laughs> 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 so what, what uh, song would you like to play out on, Wahid? Okay, so I hope that you haven't had other people say the same song because it's a very common one. But it resonates with me of my, in terms of my life story. And, and that is Frank Sinatra's My Way. Oh, wow. No, no actually, I, we haven't had that yet. Oh, fantastic. Glad to yeah. hear that. My dad's, I think whenever, favorite. My, my dad's favorite song, by the way. Yeah, I'm a classic guy like that, you see. <laughs> so, so I think that the, the song My Way was particularly the story I told you about how I grew up in South Africa. And, and, and to add to that, became an activist in this country. So if you, you, know, if you want change, you've got to be part of that change. And therefore, I'm, I'm aware of the Irish influence. I'm aware of the Swedish influence and, and how the people in the UK, you know, took to the streets and, 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 and um, mm-hmm. supported the struggle as such and, and in many other parts of the world. But one thing that I know in my world, it would not have been what it is if I had abided by the law in that regard, if I had to accept what the community I grew up thought that my life is going to turn out to be like, you know, um, and, and it only comes when I listen to that song from Frank Sinatra, My Way, it's, that's what I did. No, it's a great I had song. A dream. And so well delivered because, because he himself lived, uh, maybe self-inflicted in some ways, but he himself lived uh, through tough times. And um, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's okay. my song. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Pat. I look forward to seeing you next week at the event. Great. Great stuff. We will now do the national anthem, but you needn't rise. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll make it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full 
traveled each and every highway and more more than this I did it my way regrets I've had a few but then again too few to mention I did what I had to do I saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course each careful step along the byway and the more much more than I did it my way Yes, there were times I guess you knew When I bit off more than I could chew And with it all, when there was doubt I ate it up, then spit it out I grew tall through it all and did it my way. I've loved, laughed and cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. But now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that and may I say not in a shy way no no not me I did it my way For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not To say the 